What's up? What's up? Welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm so excited to be back here with you talking about personal and spiritual growth with people that just light me up because we're Lit AF. (laughs) This week, I'm so excited to have Ellen Bowles on the show. She is an astrologer, a tarot reader, spiritual doula. She's the author of Astrology SOS, and she's been featured in publications like Bustle, Well and Good, Romper, and Pop Sugar. I'm sure you've seen her around. She's super rad. We have an amazing conversation talking about kind of transits are out there that are affecting our daily lives in astrology how her spiritual journey has changed over time, and then how she works as a spiritual doula to help clients really start to embrace their spiritual practice, create their spiritual practice, cultivate their spiritual practice. And then we talk about when you're kind of in your more advanced stage, um, what her clients are um, coming to her for help with, which is shadow work, which if you've listened to this podcast before, you know is my jam. (laughs) My favorite is that we talk a lot about intuition and how to harness, get in touch with your intuition, get comfortable with your intuition, all of those things. And then we also talk about what everyone's really going through right now as a period of transition and shedding and just hearing her process of transition and shedding uh, really felt, I felt very seen, feel very understood by her (laughs) talking about her own process because I have to say that I go through those same things too. And I often worry about how something will get done or how hard something will be when in reality it's um, way easier, especially if I'm listening to my intuition. I know it's like spiritual practice 101, but here we are in a spiral as always. (laughs) For my check-in this week, I am excited to be recording this on my birthday. I am really excited about this birthday for several reasons. One reason is that usually my birthday I would celebrate over in Black Rock City at Burning Man. And unfortunately for me, my birthday usually falls either on the second to last day or the last day of the event, which is if you've ever been or if you're ever thinking about going, the last day of the event is kind of like a crusty period for everyone and everyone's like packing. It's, as you could say, a period of transition. It's a day of transition. And usually everyone's like tired and hot and like done and, you know, it's a really inhospitable environment. So I'm really glad that today I am not packing up my camp at Burning Man. I am sad not to be at Burning Man, but I do not miss the fact that I usually celebrate my birthday with angry campmates. So that's really great. They're not angry. It's just testy. Yeah. Anyway. And then the other thing I'm really excited about is like just some natural birthday rituals that I started doing last night. It felt felt amazing. So I started journaling last night just about kind of how this year has been. This is usually a practice I do around New Year's, but it really felt good to do this practice around my birthday because it's September to September, not January to January. And I feel like January is such a special time with just energy. Like to me, it's like post-Christmas, it's the new year, we're welcoming in a new year, but it's like the dead of winter. And September is like harvest season. It's the, if, you know, here in San Francisco, it's like the long summer. That's what we get here. 
And to me, this September is like a period of celebration, which leads to October, which is just like, these are my favorite months. This is in normal times, which who knows if we're ever going to be in normal times again. This is usually the time of like uh, weekend concerts, outside lands, hardly strictly bluegrass festival. So seeing the year in this time period felt really, really special to me. And I started going back and reading through old journals and oh my God. So last year around my birthday, I was reading It Didn't Start With You by Mark Lynn. And I was really digging into ancestral trauma and like defining my family tree and my husband's family tree and trying to connect all the dots on like what ancestral trauma was really passed down to me. And it was really cool to see because I haven't done like specifically ancestral trauma healing work in a while. And it was cool to just kind of like time hop and like check in with Sarah a year ago. This has also just been a wild year for me in my career. I've really started a lot of new things and up-leveled big time in my career, which feels really good. And I also had a miscarriage. I got pregnant and had a miscarriage in the year of this last year. And I wasn't really planning on getting pregnant. And I definitely wasn't planning on having a miscarriage. But both of those things happened. And I feel like that was a huge, huge learning experience for me this year about control and worthiness and health. Yeah, a lot of health stuff came up. So crazy, crazy year. Super fun to look back on it all. And just like super open to what this next year will bring. And then I pulled a tarot spread and for last year and then for this year. And it just felt felt so true and supportive and uh, really lovely. So anyway, I wasn't planning on doing it. It just kind of happened. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. <laughs> You're really powerful, by the way. <laughs> So yeah, so here I am ringing in the next year and I'm excited to do it with all of you. And I'm like honored that I get to record a podcast episode today. This is like, this is my jam. So if I get to do this on my birthday, I'm loving it. So yeah. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the show, Ellen Bowles. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the show. And I'm just going to read your bio so everyone knows who you are. Ellen Bowles, an artist, astrology, and tarot reader, an ancestral healer from Los Angeles, California. Ellen's practice contains the use of modalities such as candle magic, ancestral healing, tarot readings, moon magic, astrology, and much more which she offers through individual readings and birth chart analysis sessions, as well as monthly workshops she hosts on spiritual topics. Ellen is the former co-host of the Woke Mystics podcast, a space dedicated to spirituality, astrology, and magic from the perspective of two nonconforming women of color. She is also a writer and co-author of Astrology SOS, an Astrological Survival Guide to Life, published by Hardy Grant UK. She's also been featured in Bustle, Well and Good, Proper, and Pop Sugar, and so much more. So I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. It's going to be great. So I just want to kick us off with a little tarot card poll for listeners. For the the community. (laughs) For the community. Uh, We all need it. We all love a good tarot poll. Of course. Oh, I love this. 
Ace of Wands. Ah, <gasps> oh, this is my card. <laughs> this is the Crow Tarot deck. If like, no, everyone's like, what is this imagery? But Ace of Wands is about, I always think of, of it as the light bulb moment and the creative spark and really putting like fire underneath you to pursue what you desire those creative projects that you've been holding back on, like putting all your force and your energy into it. I also think of it as like the divine, like brainstorming process of all of those things. So using your creativity in a new and inventive way, taking that message and really using it as a catalyst for maybe things that you've been holding back on, gaining confidence in those creative endeavors and your passions as well. I love that. I love this card. I hope for everyone listening that this card wasn't pulled for just me. <laughs> I pull this card every time I'm like, every time I have an idea that I'm passionate about that I'm really, really excited about, I pull this card. So this is like, this is my jam. I don't have an idea right now. So perhaps this energy is for others, which I'm excited for you. Yeah, definitely. It's a beautiful card. I love the, I love the wands um, suit because it's all the fire energy. Fire and energy. It's my jam. Creativity. I feel like it's like the sustained fire to like pull through or like see it to finish. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you read? I'm so curious because we're talking tarot. How do you read the aces? Like, do you see them as the beginning of the journey to that suit? Or do you see them kind of as like more of a standalone? You know, I would say actually, it's interesting how you framed that. I would go with the standalone, actually. I feel like the ace is kind of like, you know, when you open a book or a novel and there's like the introduction, like it's the introduction chapter. And then I feel like the actual beginning is probably the pages. I never really thought about how I approach the aces in that way, but I do treat them as their own standalone. It's like the pure essence of the suit, like the raw energy of it, if that makes sense. That's how I think I, I think of it. Oh, I love that. I like that more as less as the beginning of a journey and more as a, but it's almost like that lightning bolt inspiration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Very cool. Very cool. Which kind of represents more of the card, I suppose, of like, Usually it's the uh, object like appearing from a cloud, like almost out of nowhere. Thin air, you could say. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. Like you have the, like everyone thinks also, I think the one of the most popular ace imagery is is the um, like ace of pentacles or the ace of swords. And there's that cloud imagery around it. And it's like the divine message, like that first initial divine spark of inspiration. If you think of it that way, clouds and tarot always represents to me like the higher self, the higher power communicating directly with you. Mm, oh, I love that so much. That's funny. I was just talking with my husband this morning about our creative inspiration. And he does this thing where he makes songs. He realized that he makes, he has this tendency to make them at the same time of year every year. Oh. And then he'll take a break. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I think I'm just starting now to understand this like creative inspiration, artist block, like the opposite of that. And I feel like maybe this card is kind of tied into that somehow I'm curious if that yeah I think the when you were saying that they're like there's certain times of the year where he's more productive than others I think just the way society is structured and capitalism is structured we're expected to produce constantly all the time and I think everyone's a creative being and naturally we have this intuitive schedule that tells us when to actually work and when to rest so I think it's really beautiful that For him, for example, there's certain times of the year where he's like fully in his element, like in his essence, just creating. And then there's the times of rest because rest isn't like unproductive. Rest is also 
like taking on inspiration. Like maybe during that time, he's listening to a bunch of music, you know, and just like taking it all in and absorbing and saving tracks and things like that. So I would love for us as a community on a, like a global and like humanity kind of scale to start to consider like those times of rest and inspiration as periods of like absorption and like incubation. Incubation. I love that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's so productive and also just so necessary. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I keep thinking the analogy of like a flower or a, like a fruit tree only produces a certain part of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and no one's mad at it when it's like not producing. <laughs> I was talking to my friend about this. Like I was like, we're like plants and flowers. You know, we get put into the ground and like then you nurture, you know, the plant or the flower and you never like yell at the flower or the plant for not <laughs> blooming fast enough. So why do we do it as humans? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it does not make sense. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, that's wild. I love that. <laughs> um, okay. So I want to hear about astrology SOS. I'd like to hear about like, what are these big astrological events that you're writing about in this book that, that truly do affect us throughout the years or the decades? Mm, yeah. So astrology SOS was very much this like divine pandemic love child. <laughs> So um, my former business partner and I, we were currently living together at the time. We were also roommates. And then the pandemic hit like out of nowhere. And so everything basically went into shutdown mode. I had just recently lost my job right before the pandemic. Like, I don't think they predicted that to happen, but it was about a month before the pandemic actually struck. I didn't have a lot to do. Like we were just inside a lot, you know, and it was, this was during the like toilet paper days. Like you want to go off of sanitizer like you know the real like lines of the grocery store like those days oh my god those days and my um my business partner at the time she was trying to manifest writing a book for like quantum because that's for for healing modality we were doing outreach for the podcast at the time to different just people who were in media industries you know um, entertainment and things like that happened to connect with a publisher at hardy grant who emailed us and basically said you know, if you have any ideas for books and like topics around spirituality or astrology, like, let me know. Because at the t- you know, I think we know as a collective, like astrology is taking off, like Western astrology is so popular now through social media. And we're seeing big brands and names and companies use it as a form of marketing. So I think they were just trying to jump on that bandwagon. We basically were like, well, we don't have any ideas, but we can make some ideas. Yes! <laughs> So we sat down, made a list, like a very short list and sent it to her. And then she responded and she was like, I would love to make like an astrology survival guide basically, because a lot of people also during that time were so focused on like Mercury retrograde and new moons and full moons. And like, that was really about it. And it's interesting seeing the progression of astrology within society, how, you know, interest is starting to expand in other transits now, which is really beautiful to witness. So yeah, we presented to her and then, you know, she talked about the survival guide and then we agreed that we would be down to write it and she presented it to her boss and they approved it. And basically they were like, can you get this done in six weeks? And we were like, yes, (laughs) sure. And it was a blessing. Like when we think back on it, you know, the t- that time period of us living together, like it was such a blessing because literally we just like met twice a week to like sit down and write. And then on our own, like did our own writing, would come back together those two days. And it was very much a 
a back and forth balance of like, go research, do your own writing, come together those two days, put it together, pick and choose what elements work really well. And that's how like Astrology OS came together. And it was finished by like early August, which was wild. And then it came out in March of this year. And it's been such a blessing. I think what distinguishes it from other astrology books is it's not just about like one certain sector that affects us personally. It really covers all of these transits um, that affect us as a collective. So things that everybody, no matter what their ethnicity is, their age, you know, however they gender identify, like you're always going to be affected by the stars. So it's a really beautiful um, like collection of the collective transits. And I think that's what makes it special. That's so cool. I love that so much. I'm curious, did you pull a card for writing and what did you go through personally through this entire project. Like, I'm curious, were there some big up levels that you experienced? I'd love to hear about it. Oh man, this the book was so personal to me in a way that astrology has always been a part of my life. Um, my grandmother was very much into astrology, the one who basically read horoscopes to me and like would call me and I'd be like, this is your horoscope for the day. And I knew about sun signs and stuff in like elementary school because she was just oh so into it. <laughs> So it's always been a huge part of my practice. Um, so it was very interesting how like the book was manifested, but it was specifically around astrology and that topic. Um, and then during that time, the week that we finished the manuscript was the week that my grandmother passed away. When like my one of my mentors, my spiritual mentors kept like told me like, when you write the book, it's not just you writing the book. And I really did feel that way when writing it. I felt like it wasn't just me communicating it was like also her spirit and her energy communicating through me in that way like kind of sharing her knowledge too and um it was a huge like project and very interestingly times like I was finishing up my Saturn return <laughs> also during that time oh my well, god <laughs> there was a lot of things coming up around that it was a pandemic like I was emotionally like dealing with just being in a pandemic in general yep don't ever forget um, how hard this is, people. It's hard. Like, I think all of us, you know, can take into consideration how difficult, how much that period of time changed us as people, you know, and it was a very powerful project for sure in so many ways. It taught me a lot about myself, taught me a lot about just business as well, like working with my business partner and like learning my strengths and how like my strengths like could help her weaknesses and how her strengths could help my weaknesses. Like being in true collaboration was really beautiful to witness in the project. But yeah, it was a very transformational time for sure. Like I'm like 2020 completely like flipped everything on its head and changed me in ways that I did not expect. <laughs> that sounds amazing and hard, but also amazing <laughs> all at the same time. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I really like appreciate hearing that. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So tell us more about your own spiritual practice and how it's shifted over time. Spirituality. I grew up in a very agnostic household. So not to say my parents like were atheists, like they definitely were like, there's something out there, but we're kind of just going to leave you to figure it out. And in a way that's a blessing. And in a way it's very difficult because then you don't have some sort of like infrastructure to figure it out. Like, you know, some sort of, I guess, guidelines to figure it out. Both my family, both on both sides, it comes from very Catholic backgrounds. So I think there was also a form of like rejection of organized religion on both their ends, especially for my father, who was in a Catholic boarding school most of his youth. So yeah, I think that like there was 
it was kind of like, you can explore this, but like, we're not really practicing it, but you can do what you want. (laughs) And then when I got out of college, I also got out of a relationship that was multiple years. And that was very much like my breaking point in that way. And I started entering therapy and did like holistic therapy. I found a holistic therapist, not even really realizing that she was holistic in a way. I didn't intentionally choose her. I think I just liked her energy. And then when I got into it, I was like, oh, this is very like spiritual. Like she, she's a very spiritual person. And, you know, she asked me, she was like, well, what is your belief in higher power in one of our sessions? Like I think it was coming up that I was just, I didn't have a faith really. I didn't have like a faith-based system. And I was like, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I'm like, I mean, you know, we do Christmas and things like that, but I never really thought about like, you know, God and Jesus and all these things, you know, I was like, I know there's different forms of religion, but I don't know a lot about it. And so she made the suggestion of in Los Angeles, we have the Agape Spiritual Center. It's basically like a a community that's very non-denominational, but it's also a very spiritual like community. Michael Beckwith is the leader, the pastor or the sermon leader. And I went and it was like fantastic. It was so much about like the universe and spirit. And I think taking the idea of higher power out of like a God context or like, you know, the Jesus context or like, you know, the saints and things like that helped quite a bit for me to begin to adopt and like dive into my own faith-based system. I don't know how crystals came into my life, but crystals came into my life around 2014. I don't know exactly how. I don't can't identify the day that crystals came into my life. And they were in my life. <laughs> I like they found you. You didn't find them. They found you. <laughs> exactly. I had an angel card deck that a friend gave to me as well. So I was using that. But like Doreen Virtue, who I know is problematic now, I had that deck as like my my first starter deck, you know. And then that kind of segued into more oracle cards, which segued into tarot decks. Like I've always had a fascination with tarot. I needed kind of a a slow burn into it <laughs> because I was a little afraid of it at first. And of course, everything that you're afraid of is what you're supposed to be called to do. 100%. 100%. Isn't that the worst and the best? <laughs> exactly. So, so yes, yeah, so I got into tarot. Um, and then astrology, of course, had already kind of been in my life through my grandmother who used to read the horoscopes to me and stuff. And I had already studied it a lot in college. It's like kind of this thing on the side that I like to do. Um, and then I started taking it more seriously with my own birth chart and then like reading my friends' birth charts and things like that. Um, and then my, my business partner to be Imani, we met at a party and like, she was very, she's very spiritual, very clairvoyant. And we were having all these deep spiritual discussions. Like we would get brunch and like meet up for dinner and have these very deep like conversations and decided to do the Woke Mystics podcast because we didn't see a lot of women of color having these deep conversations on a public scale. So because a lot of LA, like the spiritual community is very like white based, unfortunately. So we wanted to make it as diverse and like open to like talking about different practices and the indigenous practices, the POC practices and all of those different things. And then from there, that's actually how I met my godmother um, within the Santeria tradition. So we interviewed her for Santeria and I had known her through Imani and like we had become friends and we were doing like candle rituals and stuff together in general. And then she asked me like, you know, she's like, I feel like your path is calling you in this direction. And again, another thing I was afraid of. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my God. I just got chills. I, this is amazing. <laughs> and then I had to, I just embraced it. I was like, okay, this is, this is the path. So that's been basically most of 2020 was a lot of my initiation process and I'm still undergoing it. But the beginning of my initiation process definitely began in 2020, which is very interesting because it was such an isolating year. So it's like, initiations and spiritual practices like they make you have to reflect a lot on yourself so being alone and reflecting on yourself and not being able to distract yourself from the outside <laughs> using the outside world or like going out and things like that was very um eye-opening I bet you went deep <laughs> it was, it's still deep and it still gets deeper but it was like doing that process at the beginning in isolation was definitely a, a wild experience so I I incorporate tarot into my practice. Of course, I read clients and I pull tarot every day for myself, just a one card pull usually. I also do like spreads for like monumental changes, like moving, for example, or like birthdays, things like that. I always do a spread for myself. I, astrology I use as a tool to kind of not predict the future, but kind of just be aware of the energies and how it shifts or how it's shifting. So for example, when I do the monthly astrology forecast and things like that, it makes me aware of like the energy that's coming into that month. So just to be aware of how the plans are transiting and how it could personally affect me in that way. Meditation and connecting with ancestors are very much a huge part of my practice. Like ancestral healing is a huge part of my work. And I think as a biracial person, it's very important for me to do this work too. And yeah, that's really about it. That's amazing. Do you have ancestors that practiced Santeria? Or do you have like, do you have through this work, have you found this like deeper kind of personal connection with it? Yeah. Yeah. So I found out last year that my, I did not know this. My, my mom has always claimed New York. Like she's like, our family is from Harlem, New York. That's it. You know, but I actually found out last year that my family is from New Orleans. Like that's where they're from. So there is a connection to voodoo. And then also I found out that there is a connection to Santeria through, I think my great aunt who lived in Brazil for some time and practiced condomble, which is the Brazilian version, basically, of Santeria. So there's definitely that ancestral pull. Like, I think there's a reason why even in my move now, I'm moving to the East Coast. I think there's an ancestral calling that's calling me back there for some reason. And then on my dad's side, my father's side was very difficult in a way for me to connect to because my father's um, very much kind of ostracized from his family for marrying a Black woman. So it's very hard to get him to open up. <laughs> And so I think for me, me doing this work is healing him. Like I kind of have to like get him to open up and like talk to him about it. And it allows him to open up about his family and his relatives. And there's also been a very strong connection to like Celtic practices as well and herbalism and plant medicine and the earth magic and things like that, which incorporates in. So I'm kind of like a blend of both. Like I'm the vessel for both of those practices to kind of be together and coexist in some way. And that's what I'm trying to figure out right now is like that balance. I would imagine not only that you're the perfect person to blend them, <laughs> just saying, but that there's so many commonalities. There are, there are, there's a lot of, um, a lot of what I've discovered even through like the woke mystics and learning about all these different practices and these different cultural backgrounds is a lot of the archetypes and the energies that we talk about in one practice shows up in another in very familiar and similar ways even the offerings that we give to certain gods and deities in one practice shows up in the same like way in another practice, you know, similar offerings, similar colors or similar music, things like that. 
Um, so it's very beautiful because it makes you understand that beyond human construct, there is this higher energy, this spiritual energy that is like just interconnecting all of us together. And I think that's really beautiful and reflective. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like the kind of universal consciousness represented through like different rituals that are so similar. That's so cool. Exactly. Wow. I love that you're studying that. That's really yeah. cool. It's, yeah. a, it's beautiful. It's not what I expected my path to kind of go down. Like my background is in the arts and creativity and design, which I is still a part of my life and my work, of course, but I would have never expected like spirituality and like ritual work and like ancestral healing to be such a huge part of my life. So it's been very beautiful. That's awesome. Have you found a way for your personal practice to connect the two or are they very kind of separate for you? It's interesting. That's, I think, the one I'm working on now, currently, I would say, because I do think that even though there are parallels, there are certain things that like only go to the Celts and then certain things that only go to the West African side, you know? And so learning how to like blend the two and get them to coexist, when to call on certain energies for certain things, for example, that's something that I've been working on personally a lot. I do believe that like they're all interconnected and they like support each other, but my plan is to have like two different ancestor altars, like kind of facing each other, like on either side, because because each of them have like their own individual energies, like which is very interesting. Like the West African energy feels very like hot. They like tropical plants. They like very like tropical foods and things like that. And then the Celts feel more like rustic, and they're very much like warrior energy. And like there's this deep connection to the earth and dirt and things like that. So I don't know. It's just like, I feel like they deserve their own spaces. Like, I feel like they respect each other, but I'm like, I have to use you in different ways, if that makes sense. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. I like that they're facing each other too. Yeah. And that's what, that's, that's the goal is to have them facing each other. They're going to chit chat. They're going to talk all day. Between each other. (laughs) They got some words to say. Oh, that's so cool. So as a spiritual doula, I don't even know if we mentioned that in the intro, but Ellen is a spiritual doula, which I think is so, 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 so cool. So where do you find people get stuck in the beginning of their spiritual practice? Mm, I think there's just a lot of information out there. I think that unfortunately it's a little oversaturated (laughs) and it's hard when you're just first learning to trust your intuition, to choose what information is best for you and your own personal practice. So I think honestly, the hardest part as a beginner getting into spirituality is just developing your relationship with your intuition, like understanding that it is your guide, trusting your gut, not listening so much to the outside influence of other people, because there's a lot of practitioners and people out there who will tell you you're doing something wrong or you're doing this, this way wrong. And it's your own personal practice. Like, of course, there's, you know, the guidelines and parameters that you can start off with. But if you feel like something's not working, you feel like an offering isn't right, or if you feel like something just isn't resonating, then you shouldn't continue practicing it because it goes against your intuitive process. So I would say developing a strong relationship with your intuition is probably the hardest part. Yeah, that is huge. And I've been cultivating this for years and I'm still cultivating this. I'm still cultivating it. I don't up every morning and like I trust myself and like yes I believe my decision is right like I still go through that process especially when faced with new challenges that I haven't experienced before you know and 
I think it's one of the things where remembering you're not going to put yourself intuitively in harm's way. Like you would never do that to yourself and like really trusting that guide. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first was talking to my guides, something I, so a, a spiritual coach that I had was like, okay, just dedicate 10 minutes to every day, sit down whenever is right for you and just talk to them. Like it doesn't have to be right. You don't have to be perfect. They'll just open up the conversation. And, you know, of course I just thought it was going to be like, I would hear their voices and they would say like really intense things to me that I needed to hear <laughs> and that everything was I always thought this, that like everything that was coming from my guides was to make sure that I was not like on the right path, but like happier or like that I was having more pleasure. I'm not, I don't know if this is making sense, but it's like, I feel like my guides are like way more on this like bigger picture path. They're not like thinking about the like human feelings like form. (laughs) They're not like dealing with the reality of (laughs) anxiety and fear and like all these other things. Yeah. I think it's okay to get frustrated with your guy. It's like I was talking to one of my mentors about this, and I think like sometimes we get kind of so focused on this idea that, you know, we're always gonna like love what our ancestors and our guides tell us what to do. And most of the time it's actually not that. Like most of the time I'm actually like, Are y'all crazy? You want me to do what? Like how? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like really? justifiable I think it's okay sometimes to even say like I am angry about this you know I'm angry that this like I've had things where I've seen the path and like they've shown me the path and I'm like cool I'm following it I'm gonna do all the steps that you tell me to do and then it just doesn't pan out how I want it to and I'm like mad at you like I'm like I'm upset like I'm angry that this didn't work out how I expected it to work out and you know I think it's okay I think it's a part of the human process to admit that you know, <laughs> be mad at your guides. <laughs> you can have that moment. Have that moment. <laughs> yeah. So, how did you start trusting what, like, what was coming through from them? I would say that when I was going through my separation and my divorce process, that was when I knew I had to, like, I was trusting them because the energy completely switched for me. Like I was very depressed, had a lot, was dealing with a lot of anxiety, like dealing with the the post like traumatic stress of like gaslighting and things like that as well. And so once I began like intuitively working with them and like, what do you want me to do? And like listening to that, like you said, a lot of things came back to like simple things such as pleasure, just like we want you to go for a walk today. Like we want you to like eat a good meal that you enjoy or like, you know, watch something that's going to make you laugh or like meet with a friend who like energy feels good for you and uplifts you. And like when I just started listening to those small directions and I started noticing my energy shifted, that's when I was like, okay, I think you're onto something here. I think you're onto something to like trust your guides. And also just they'll give you some like affirmative signs or some bigger affirmative signs. Also, like I can give a small example of like, to making the decision to move to New York was something I'd always wanted to do. And then, you know, life happened. I got into a relationship, then we broke up and all these different things. And this was like the first time in my life I've been completely free of constraint of any kind or obligated to anything really. And I can like virtually work. So I was like, there's a lot of freedom in this space. And then once I made the decision to like, I'm going to try and like go out there for a few weeks and see what I can find and move. Like, my friend's friend like reached out to me and was like, Hey, like I'm moving out of my space in Brooklyn in my room. Do you, if you want to come see it while you're here, let me know. I landed 
like literally get two hours later, went and saw the place. Oh my God. It had all the things I needed. I was like, it was just a little bit more expensive than what I'm paying in LA. And I was like, I'll take it. Like, I was just like I'll take it. I'm done. So like, again, like it was kind of like, just trust us, just show up and like, let us like, let us show you the path, you know? And then when I left, when I was coming back to LA, cause I was like, I have to wrap up my apartment here and everything. I got a Facebook memory from five years ago when I first decided that I wanted to move to New York, where like, I basically talked about how like, I'll be coming back to Brooklyn soon. And I was like, see, just affirmations, like signs through, even through Facebook posts, you know. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I think that like the the guides definitely talk through the technology mm-hmm. for sure. For Absolutely. sure. I've yeah. seen it again and again. <laughs> it's freaky. I love that. For me, I feel like I've really solidified my relationship through tarot, which has been mm-hmm. such mm-hmm. a cool learning journey and experience of because like I can just really convince my mind that I'm hearing or like getting something, something's coming through. And then I'll spend the next five minutes just questioning it. Is that me? Is that them? Does it matter? <laughs> is it the same? Or, you know, is this me in five years? Give me this advice. Like, yeah. So I get so caught up in it. And with cards, I'm like, yep, that was just the card. And like, I can focus on that and not worry too much about like, is this real? Or can I trust that this is coming from a higher power? Yeah, definitely. Because the first thing, like people, when they first learn tarot, they become very dependent upon the cards usually at first because they're like, oh, this is the sign. This is the message. But the cards are really just affirming what's intuitively being downloaded for you. Like usually even before I pull tarot cards for myself or for clients, I do like a little bit of a meditation beforehand just to see what intuitively is coming through. Sometimes I see the cards before I even pull them in different ways, which is really, it's just very interesting. It's an interesting process. Every time I see the card before I pull it, I'm like, it'll show up and it always shows up in some way. Wow. So like using tarot as a way to affirm your messages is a very powerful practice. um, Most definitely. And I would say like, choose a deck that really resonates with you. Like I have multiple decks for like multiple different energies, I think, you know, like sometimes there's a deck, there's a certain deck I have that feels very connected to like ancestral healing kind of work. So that's the one I use when I feel like a client needs to work on that. Um, I even have a deck that I was recently gifted because I have a lot of clients that come to me who are dealing with grief or loss or around that for some reason, I tend to attract some of that energy. And so I feel like that deck is really for, it's so gentle, like the energy is so gentle and so compassionate that I think um, it's a beautiful deck to use for that, that sort of way. That's so cool. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Hey there. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. I know I am. If you're enjoying the Lit AF podcast, I humbly ask you to make a financial contribution to the Lit AF tip jar. Your support will help make this podcast happen. Financial contributions help to cover costs like podcast hosting site, podcast recording software, and it also helps us to pay our amazing, talented podcast editor that brings us these sweet episodes every single week. Monthly and one-off donation options are available, and we've got some sweet thank you gifts for everyone participating. If you're interested in making your financial contribution, please visit sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. 
That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Now back to this week's episode. Thank you so much. Well, actually, speaking of transition, I you brought this up before we started recording, but I would love to talk about what, what we're all going through kind of as a collective of transition and shedding. I think this move that you're going through right now is like this beautiful example of like a, a transition, but then also probably some shedding and honoring ourselves through this entire process. So I'd love to see, like, how have you seen this showing up? in your world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, my friends and I have been talking a lot about, again, trusting the intuition, honoring the inner self and the inner dialogue that's happening within you. I I think there's, I wish there was more stress on the fact that we are not the same people we were when we first entered the pandemic and like, not to like harp on the pandemic, but I'm like, the pandemic was a very significant time for all of us. Yes. (laughs) the amount of transition that like went through all of our lives, whether good or bad is very significant. And I think that we were collectively forced into a place of like isolation and reflection um, to learn more about ourselves. And what is it that we need? What is it that we desire? Like I know from personally, I learned that even though I'm an extrovert, I need time alone and space alone to like recharge a lot. I also learned like my patience. I have no patience. I'm a very impatient person. I learned (laughs) to the world. I'm like, I'm very impatient. So I've learned that about myself um, during this time. But I think that I hope that people during this transition of moving back out into the world, like slowly understanding to listen to themselves first and their desires first and prioritizing that, because I think that our world was very much in a place and still is very much in a place of like productivity and like pushing yourself and like always forcing yourself to do things because it's expected of you or you're obligated. And it's not intuitive. It's not like even talking about like your, your husband's process of music making. That's not you know, the, the period of production, the period of rest and like respecting that and understanding your own personal scheduling and your energy and what it means in that moment. I hope that that's something that people take away as they go through these like major transitions and slowly begin to interact again in the outside world. I love that. I, I think that like we are a different person. I love what you just said about being an extrovert that needs introverted time. I almost don't believe in extrovert introvert anymore. Mm-hmm. That's like, but maybe that's just because of this year and yeah. being a shut in basically. <laughs> but like, it's, it's almost like it's this concept of uh, putting us all in this box of like, either you like to be around people or you don't. And it's like, I like both. Mm-hmm. And I need both. <laughs> to just exist. Yeah. 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 Same. I think that I always classified myself as an extrovert and I think I do naturally like I'm very sociable and I get along with people, but I also realize like you need the the time and the space. Like if I socialize, I need like two days of recovery by myself. (laughs) That makes me an introvert, but I think it just is my energy and even just being inside for so long makes us more energetically sensitive, of course. So like when you go out and interact in the world, you do have to be selective about how you interact with people um, and with your community because you're absorbing energy. You know, we're all empaths to a certain degree. So like you have to allow yourself the space and the time to like recenter, refocus and recharge yourself. I love that. And to me, it's just taking so much longer. Like 
I'm, I'm doing it in little bits and spurts and <laughs> it's so uncomfortable <laughs> to like go back out in the world. <laughs> yeah. Like there's just moments where I'm like, why did we do this before? <laughs> this is what we were doing? Why? <laughs> so it's, I, I love hearing this because it's a good reminder to just be so gentle and honor, <laughs> honor my needs, myself. And, and I am a different person since the pandemic started. Absolutely. And like not expecting myself to operate at that same pace that I was before. It just seems, it seems ridiculously impossible what I was doing before. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I'm like thinking about like, even right before the pandemic, my friends and I were going out like every weekend. I think it was energetically, we knew something was going to happen. Like, like in the back of your head, you know, like that February sweet spot where like COVID wasn't really a real thing. It was something that was happening yes. further out. But for some reason we were going out like twice a week, every week. And we were like, you know, we chopped it up to like, we're young and we should be out and about and socializing. And then literally like four weeks later, shut down. And I'm really like, <laughs> like, oh, so that's why we were feeling that energetic push to be out and about. But I think now, now, like I'm seeing things pop up again, there's events and stuff. And I'm like, maybe like twice a month I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> Twice a week? Absolutely not. No. That's insane. <laughs> they're like, oh. what am I, 18? Like, no. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. So I'd like to talk about this concept of, of shedding and letting things go because actually through this whole process, well, it's never ending. I don't know why. I feel like so much of what I'm learning through this process is that – so much of my own perception of the world and like how I fit into this world is just my perception. And this kind of like, I just, I've through my whole life, I get so stuck on like victim mentality and insecure resources and so many of those stories. And I've found through this work that I struggle to let those go. I'll get all the way to the point where I'm like, okay, it's just you that's holding on to it. And, and then I'll be asked to let it go. And I'm like, but who am I without these stories? Who am I without, without this bigger narrative? So I'd love to talk with you about like the process of actually shedding and, and how have you, yeah. How, how have you found to make it work? <laughs> what a, timely, a timely question because I'm in the process of shedding. So um, I've, like I said, I've realized I'm an impatient person. I've also realized I'm a very stubborn person as well. So when I'm asked to shed, I will dig my heels in for a second and be like, I think everyone has that moment of resistance, right? And it's really just the resistance to the unknown. And it's sad because like, I think it's a natural human response to like want to stay in what we know because it's something that we can control. Even if what we know is toxic or not good for us or uncomfortable, but like we refuse to let go and let the universe and spirit fill it with a, something better because we're just like, this is all I know, you know, and this is what's comfortable. And I think I've had to be just very, I've had to kind of prove myself wrong. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to make sense, but I've had to kind of prove myself wrong. There's been a lot of moments in my journey where, um, you know, I think, oh, well, this is, this is how it's always been. So then that's fine. And I'll just accept it as it is when I should be accepting better on many different levels. And I've kind of had to like, just test it in little ways of being like, okay, but like, what if you just like 
decided that you weren't going to do this today? Or what if you just decide you're not going to interact with this person anymore? Like, what if you like just making, making these small little choices, like proving to myself to trust my intuition again, so that the universe can bring me supposed to be there for me, you know? And then also remembering too, that this is going to sound so, I don't want this to sound very like privilegey or very like love and light but like life is supposed to be very like simple and easy and like breathing like I have this like concept now of like life is always breathing and like anything that feels like resistance isn't in alignment so like treating our like existence as like a form of breath and like inhaling and exhaling easily and smoothly and like anything in your life or any aspect in your life where you feel some sort of challenge or resistance is usually something that's being asked to be changed. And so thinking of it in that way has helped me with like the shedding process and the grieving process, honoring chapters in our lives and seasons in our lives. I think like knowing that we're not supposed to stay the same people that we were like even a week ago, you know? <laughs> like we're constantly, like we're always evolving and changing. I think that's also a concept that has helped me with adopting the idea of shedding and like understanding that the pain is temporary because like the blessings that come in after the shedding process are so worth it in the long run. Totally. Oh, that's so beautiful. Tell us about a time that you proved yourself wrong. So many times I've proven myself. <laughs> I've been like, I, <laughs> I think I know, like what I tell my brand, I'm like, I think I know everything. I think I know exactly how it's going to pan out. <laughs> And then either something that I've been so worried about works out perfectly <laughs> or my expectation of how I think it will happen is completely different and like so much better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Proving myself wrong. I mean, there's so many times, um, like the most recent one has been like seeing the, my new apartment in New York was like, I think I always, <laughs> this is a scarcity mindset that I'm trying to unpack. I have this idea that like, things won't just like miracles won't just happen for me even though they happen all the time like miracles happen to all of us all the time um but I think that you know like my roommate has been like looking for a place for some time and then I was like looking for some place you know a place for some time so both of us have been like in this limbo place of like trying to like figure out when are we moving what are we putting in our 30-day notice what are we doing and I basically, like, my very structured self was like, well, I can't put in a 30-day notice until I find a place. And, like, in my head, I was like, well, New York is way too expensive for you. Like, there's no way you're going to be able to find something that's, like, competitive to this, to what you're paying here, you know? And, like, and then I'm like, oh, and then on top of that, like, you got to think about the area. And then, like, they don't have elevators. And, like, there's laundry mats. And, like, you're not going to find all of the, there's not, you're not going to find all the things that you have in this space in New York. Like, this is what I was telling myself. And I literally kept like but I got into such a depression honestly right before I went to on my trip because I was telling myself this like this narrative of like you're gonna have to stay in LA longer and like I'm born and raised in LA and I always knew I wasn't going to stay here my whole life I've known that since I was a kid so I was like oh like the idea of even looking for a new place in LA makes me so sad and I was just like I don't want to do this and then I literally just kept hearing like just book the flight and get there and like, don't worry, like I was worried about money. I'm like, I don't even have money to really fund a trip that long. Like I could go for like, a, like, you know, five days, but I can't go for three weeks. Are you can't Like I'm talking, <laughs> like just like, I can know my guys are just like, can you just do it? Just do it. 
don't make us force you to do this. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay. And this also enforced me to like, I talked to my family about it and like, I'm unpacking a lot of narratives around my family around support and like them showing up for me in different ways. Like when I need help and need support. And they basically were like, we will help you fund the trip. Like if you, like they could see that I was depressed and that I was like going through it. And they were like, we don't want you to be in this energy. So whatever you need, like we'll help you. So I ended up going on the trip and yeah, like I, like a week before I was supposed to leave, my friend's friend was like, oh, we have the room available. If you want to take a virtual tour, I saw the virtual tour. I was like, it's a beautiful space. What, when I get there, I'm sure it won't look as good in person. Like I'm still uh, trying to not convince myself. <laughs> like I'm still trying to convince myself out of it. Right. Get there. It's beautiful in person. It's every, you know, I'm like, it has everything that I was listing off in LA that I needed, you know? It's like just a slightly more expensive, but it's not undoable. And I was just like, okay, like proving myself wrong. Like just by taking that risk and like, I love yeah. that. I love that. <laughs> the most recent example I can give because I'm still floored by it. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I'm just so excited for you. I think it's going to yeah. be amazing. You're yeah. going to go have winters now. Oh my so God. That was something you were really worried about. <laughs> I know. I'm interested to see. I'm like, now we're getting flash flood warnings. I'm like, what is this? I don't know. Oh my God. I know. I know. We'll see what happens. We'll see. But isn't it like the crazy part about, so I had a, such a similar, similar, um, similar experience, to like buying a car mm-hmm. and you know, long-term plan in the future. I definitely want to have a child, but like, oh my God, the things that my brain comes up with about all the things to worry about, the list is endless, like absolutely endless. But by like proving yourself wrong like this, it's like you, you have that one strong memory of like, look how it all worked out. Like maybe we can just take a seat for a little bit. (laughs) Maybe you can breathe. Just can't try breathing. Breathe. (laughs) Just breathe. I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, like, like one of my mentors who I um, love was saying, you know, like, what's the worst that's going to happen if it doesn't work out? Like, it doesn't work out. And then what? Like a new path will be made. You know, it's like, we always think like, I can get very black and white in my thinking sometimes, or like things are like all or nothing. Like it's as dire. And I'm like, it actually doesn't need to be as full of pressure as you're making. Yes. 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 I friend, a friend of mine who was recently on the podcast was like, it's a practice boyfriend. It's a practice mm-hmm. job. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a practice move. This mm-hmm. is a practice apartment for you. And I'm like, oh, talk about taking the pressure off from like living everything perfectly. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. Oh, that's a good one. I love that. Um, okay. So tell us more about your like more seasoned clients that are in their spirituality practice and you're working with them. Where do they get stuck in their spiritual practice? Oof. I was like, I, I, I made a face cause I was like, I think the most common thing that comes up is a lot of shadow work. So I think that, you know, how we talked about earlier, like we have been talking a lot about ego and how it tells us, oh, I know everything. Like I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And like, not to say all my seasoned clients are like know-it-alls, but it does get, sometimes we can get to a point where we get so focused on like the positive side of spirituality, the positive side. Like, (laughs) He's doing air quotes, everyone, air quotes. (laughs) Like the love and light you know, aspect, you know, like we get really hyper-focused on that. Like there's a certain level of spiritual enlightenment. I think that comes at where you are manifesting things like crazy and you, you know, you're getting all the signs and you're just like, yes, I am the superpower, you know, and we all are, but 
then we tend to sometimes avoid like the harder stuff, like the shadow work that comes with like inner child work or a lot of shadow work that comes with ancestral healing and also deal like learning to love our ego, for example, like learning to work with it rather than try to suppress it because it's a tool and not like a villain, you know? <laughs> sometimes it feels like a villain. <laughs> It's supposed to be a tool for us. (laughs) But I think that people get really, they, they lean so much into like the, the lighter side of spirituality so much sometimes to the point where they start to become avoidant. And, you know, I think it's also because we're constantly marketed this idea that spirituality, like it's a path and a journey that leads to like this point of enlightenment where you're like untouchable, where like your healing is done, you know? And I'm like, your healing is never done. Like I'm never, ever done. I'm like, there's practitioners older than me who are still like undergoing initiations, like dealing with their own shadow work and things like that. And I think that it's something that as you go through your spiritual journey, always being aware of that. And like you brought up the really beautiful word word of gentle, like being gentle with yourself, like being really compassionate with yourself in your journey. So I would say that's what I see the most frequently with more seasoned clients is that like usually they get to a point where there's a little bit of a block and that's usually when they come to me in some way. <laughs> and they're then like, I'm wait, like, everything was going great. <laughs> what what happened? Or like, like something, I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't feel like I'm being challenged. And I'm like, I think it's because you're being called to like go deeper, but going deeper is a lot of trudging up and unpacking and things like that, you know? Big time, big time. That's totally, I recently, starting with Leo season this year, hit like a massive just anxiety spiral, led to depression in like the deepest way I've ever had. It was really intense, which was actually kind of cool because like now I can really understand that side of depression, which I've never done before, which was really interesting learning experience. It led to like a lot of golden shadow work, which I was like, I'm so afraid. I'm not afraid of golden shadow work. Sorry. I forget about it. I'm just like putting everyone else on pedestals and like feeling like they're just doing so great and I'll never get there. And so I'll forget that like, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta bring them down while I put, bring myself up a little bit. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like every, I I tell people that a lot. I tell a lot of my clients that I'm always saying like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm your healer. I'm a healer, but I'm not like, I'm not somebody to put on a pedestal. Like I'm still very much human. I'm still in my human process. I'm still processing my own like spiritual journey and my own human self and work. Like I still, even though I may be more advanced in certain modalities, for example, I'm still facing like shadow work all the time. You know, like I try to approach it as more like we're a team in our work. Like I'm like, we're working together to like help you go deeper. Like I'm your assistant. And I'm kind of like the, if you know tarot, I'm kind of, I think of myself as like the, the six of swords, it, the boat. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You're driving the boat. You're driving the boat. I'm just like, you tell me what direction you're going and I'm driving the boat. That's how I, that's how I take it. I love it so much. <laughs> we all need boat drivers. Right. We can't see over those swords. You got to look for over those swords for us. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm your, I'm your accountability partner. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the person that like, I'm, you know, your confidant. Like I'm, I'm the person that can, you, I'm the safe space basically. Like I'm kind of the safe space for you to figure out where your path is, where you're going. Um, but you know, I'm, don't put me on a pedestal. I'm very human. I'm still very much, you know, this person, um, and yeah, I think that's how it should be approached in that way. You know, anyone you admire, any healer, any practitioner you admire has qualities 
that you have within yourself. It's just about you activating that side of it. Yes. Uh, golden shadow. Like I, I'm so glad you said that as a teacher and healer, like I feel like that's a really important message. Yeah. And I think every teacher should like approach, like not say at the perfect approach, but just approach their students in that way. Like we are equals in this and like I have more knowledge to share with you, but like, I'm also learning from you as well. Like any workshop, any class I've done, like that topic that I've taught has also been for me. <laughs> me right. Well. right, 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 right. <laughs> we're, 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 we're actually teaching it for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> So true. But that's how you met. Like, I feel like teaching it is another form of mastery. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like we're almost at time. Okay. Which bums me out because I just could talk to you forever. (laughs) Today's my birthday for everyone listening. Birthday you could go over for your birthday. This is like my jam. Like this is all I want to do on my birthday is talking about what we're talking about. Talk about our spirit guides, our ancestors. <laughs> it's really cool. Well, um, I'm curious how can listeners get in touch with you? Yeah. So my website is ellenbowles.com. Bowles is spelled B-O-W-L-E-S. And that has all of my offerings. Like all of my work is listed there from my creative work to my spiritual work. And you can just email me um, through the website. My email is also lmbowles, B-O-W-L-E-S 91 at gmail.com. Um, and I update my Instagram pretty frequently with my workshops and my classes that I'm offering. Um, I host a monthly full moon workshop with my friend Ebony, which is beautiful virtual community space that we've created. We created during the pandemic and it's still doing and thriving, which is beautiful. Um, so my Instagram is Ellen S Bowles, so E L L E N S B O W L E S, and that's where I post like most of my classes and the offerings that I'm doing in that way. And yeah, I think that's the best way to get in contact with me. I love that. Or get a copy of Astrology SOS. Yes, Astrology SOS, which is like available. It's available everywhere, which is wild. But you can order it through I think Urban Outfitters, Anthropology. Target, I think, has it, and Barnes & Noble has it as well. Um, and it's done by Hardy Grant Publishing and Chronicle Books. Love it. Amazing. Ellen, thank you so much for being on the show today. I had a blast talking with you. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple Podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. You never know. And of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. Until next week, visit sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com to find other podcast episodes. And you can find Lit AF on Instagram at It's Me, Sarah Cohan, and you can also find me on Clubhouse. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit, Lit AF, and I hope to see you back here next week.